thankful for them tonight. While you're standing, I've got several scriptures, but I'll only have you stand for one while you're standing. If you would go to Deuteronomy chapter 31. I feel like tonight that there is a, I'm in the host of a victorious people. I said you are among victorious people tonight. I said you are among people who win battles. Because the Lord, our God. Deuteronomy 31, 6 through 8. Be strong, courageous, and firm. This is the Amplified Edition. Be strong, courageous, and firm. Fear not, nor be in terror before them. For it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. And then Moses called to Joshua and said to him in the sight of all Israel, Be strong, courageous, and firm, for you shall go with the people into the land which the Lord has sworn to their fathers to give them, and you shall cause them to possess it. It is the Lord. It is the Lord who goes before you. He will march with you. He will not fail you or let you go or forsake you. Let there be no cowardice or flinching, but fear not, neither become broken in spirit, depressed, dismayed, and unnerved with alarm. It is the Lord who goes before you. Would you lay your Bibles down and before you're seated, would you one more time before you're seated, would you lift your hands towards heaven? Lord, in the name of Jesus. I pray in this house tonight, O oh God, that I would just be a conduit, O oh God. I would just be a vessel that you would flow through tonight, Lord. Help me to only speak the words, God. I, s- I prayed before you before this service, God, that I would only speak what you would have for me to say. Nothing more, nothing less tonight, O oh God. And I pray tonight that that anointing that is in your book, Lord, that is your living word tonight, God, I pray that same anointing, God, that is here would rest upon the people of God, upon the house of God tonight. In the name of Jesus, Lord, we loose you in this house. We loose your spirit in this house. We loose the angels of the Lord in this house, O oh God. Do a work and speak a word, O oh God. In the name of Jesus, we give you all praise and all honor. Would you one more time before you're seated, would you clap your hands unto the Lord? And would you shout unto God with a voice of triumph in this house? Would you shout unto God with a voice of triumph in this house? Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. You can be seated house of the Lord tonight. What a powerful move of the Spirit and a demonstration of the Spirit. There is a possessive power and moving of the Spirit of God that is flowing tonight in this house. Let me say that again. There is a possessive, flowing, powerful move of the Spirit of God that is flowing through this house. There is a victorious voice from heaven that is ringing in the midst of the church tonight. I said there is a victorious voice from heaven that is ringing inside the building tonight to the church of the living God. There is power, power, wonder-working power 
in this house tonight. The Lord begins to speak to Moses. And as he, Moses, will give the charge to Joshua, as the reins of the baton is being passed and about to be passed, as the children of Israel are going to receive and inherit the promised land that was promised to their parents. God begins to speak to a people that knows that they have a destiny that knows deep down while they have walked in a wilderness for longer than they should have walked, understand that their destiny is not the wilderness. They understand that this is not the final place. This is not what God has promised us or called us to. And the Lord begins to speak to them and begins to tell them, there are going to be things that look impossible to you in the realm of your natural life. There are going to be things that look unclear to you, that look so far in the distance to you, that you will believe that you are seeing it and then you will catch yourself only seeing it as a mirage of something that you are just merely hoping for. I've come tonight to tell someone in this house that the things that God has promised you is not some far distant thing in some fairy tale, tale land of just hopes and dreams. But what God has promised you, you are on the forefront of the promise that God is unfolding and birthing in your life. I said, be strong and be courageous because what you're about to possess and what you're about to uh, inherit and what you're about to walk on is going to be a place that you have never walked. It's going to be things that you have never possessed. It's going to be things that are going to make uh, the, the, the princes and the kings and, 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 and the ones in Egypt that you have been a slave and a, your ancestors had been a, a taskmaster to, uh, that, that they have been uh, uh, enslaved to. It's going to make those things look very small and diminishing uh, when you begin to see what God is unfolding because the promises of God what you are going to see is what the spies saw. What you are going to possess are going to be grapes that are going to be hard for you to carry. It's going to be a place where milk and where honey flow. It's going to be a promise that is beyond uh, any hope or an imagination thing that you would have. And the Lord said, you're going to have to, to inherit it. You're going to have to be strong. You're going to have to be courageous. And you're going to have to be firm. I come to tell someone tonight with the witness of the Holy Ghost that the things that God has promised you, you're going to have to take a hold of them and be firm. You're going to have to be courageous. You're going to have to get some tenacity. You're going to have to get some determination. You're going to have to take some things firm. You're going to have to stop taking the promises of God and saying, God, when you do it, you're going to have to take a hold of the promises of God and stand firm on the promises of God. It is the Lord who goes before you. He will march with you. Now, preacher, are you going to preach tonight about 
uh, the children of Israel marching in. I'm going to talk about it for just a minute, but I'm going to tell you right now. As I was praying over the weekend and as I was preparing over the last week, I asked the Lord, Lord, if you would give me just a clear direction, if you would give me a clear understanding, I will not add nothing to it. I won't say another word. I won't type one thing into this notebook or on a piece of paper that you don't tell me to write down or take. And the Lord said, I want you to talk to my people about the battle of the victorious. I am not in the midst. We are not in the midst. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, we're not, we're not, we're not going to lose. Look at him and tell him, you're victorious. Put a smile. Somebody needs to hold their head up just a little bit and say, you are victorious. All y'all are victorious. As God is about to lead the children of Israel out of the wilderness, the 40-year excursion in the wilderness, walking in a circle, he begins to tell them and begins to promise to them and begins to proclaim to them and begins to tell them, you're in good hands. Can I tell someone tonight that this assembly is in good hands? We are a victorious people. I'm going to slow down for just a minute. God wanted to instill in the people that while the enemy would try and while the walls would look high of Jericho, to not be doubtful, to not be fearful, and to not become broken. Because the walls of Jericho are taxing to people. And what's on the other side of the walls is something that is unknown and it is easy to become fearful. The Lord encouraged the children of Israel. He said, it's the Lord who goes before you. He will march with you. He will not fail you or let you go or forsake you. Let there be no cowardice or flinching. Fear not, neither become broken in spirit, depressed, dismayed, and unnerved with alarm. Because it is the Lord who goes before you. Tonight it is the Lord who goes before the church. Tonight it is the Lord who goes before you in your personal battle. Tonight it is the Lord that goes before you in what maybe your family may be facing or the uncertainties of maybe a health crisis or issue that you might be experiencing. It is the Lord that goes before you. It is the Lord that does not sleep, the psalmist would say. He does not slumber. He does not take vacations. He does not take days off, but it is the Lord who goes before you. I want to share with you Isaiah chapter 41, verses 10 through 20. The Lord speaks to the children of Israel who are presently in captive, and God is delivering them. And before he can deliver them completely, he is delivering their minds. 
He is delivering their emotions, and he is de- delivering their bodies. Isaiah 41, 10 through 20. Fear not, there is nothing to fear, for I am with you. Do not look around in terror and be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen and harden your difficulties. Yes, I will help you. Yes, I will hold you up and retain you with my victorious right hand of righteousness and justice. Behold, all they who are enraged and inflamed against you shall be put to shame and confounded. They who strive against you shall be as nothing and shall perish. You shall seek those who contended with you, but shall not find them. They who war against you, you shall be as they shall be as nothing, as nothing at all. For I am the Lord your God. Hold your right hand, and I am the Lord who says to you, Fear not, I will help you. Fear not, you worm of Jacob, you men of Israel. I will help you, says the Lord. Your Redeemer is the Holy One of Israel. Behold, I will make you to be a new. Somebody needs to get a hold of this right now. Behold, I will make you to be a new, sharp, threshing instrument, which has teeth. You shall thresh the mountains and beat them small, and shall make the hills like chaff. You shall winnow them, and the wind shall carry them away, and the tempest or whirlwind shall scatter them. And ye shall rejoice in the Lord. Ye shall glory in the Holy One of Israel. The poor and the needy are seeking water when there is none. Their tongues are parched with thirst. I, the Lord, will answer them. I, the God of Israel, will not forsake them. I will open rivers on the bare heights and fountains in the midst of the valleys. I will make the wilderness a pool of water and the dry land springs of water. I will plant in the wilderness the cedar, the cedar and the Isaiah, the myrtle and the wild olive. I will set the cypress in the desert, the plane tree and the pine tree together that men may see and know and consider and understand together that the hand of the Lord has done this, that the Holy One of Israel has created this. Someone tonight needs to understand and get a grasp tonight with me. Someone needs to understand and get a grasp with their situation. Someone needs to get a hold of and get a grasp with the thing that they are facing and the thing that you may be going through. You need to get a hold of that thing and understand tonight that God has not forsaken you. That God has not left you in a wilderness, in a dry place. God has not forgotten who you are.
God said, when everything looks like that it is over, when everything looks like that it is uh, undone, when everything looks like you are out of ammunition and you might as well just sit there with your mouths closed. I feel like tonight in this house, as Bishop began to proclaim as an introduction to what the Spirit is speaking and what the Spirit is doing, there are some people tonight that are standing on the balance. There are some people tonight that want to believe that they are about to inherit the promise. There are some people that want to believe and understand that what God has said is true and that it is yea and that it is amen and that what the words that men maybe have spoken and that the enemy have spoken are a lie, but what God has said is true. But then there's something on the other side of you that says, I am beat down, I am wore down, I am out of shape, I am tired, I am, I, I am, I am in despair, I am pushed back, and I feel like I cannot go any further. But God begin to remind the children of Israel you look like you are in this place you feel like you are in this place you feel like you are undone you feel like you have been forgotten you feel like your best days are behind you and there is nothing to look forward to in the next days in the next months in the next years to come but God said behold I will make you a new I will make you a new sharp I'm fixing to put it back in your hands. You have been in a time of retrieve. You have been in a place where I have been protecting you so that you can get closer to the possession. But God, I feel in the spirit tonight and I feel a witness in the Holy Ghost that behold, I will make you to be a new sharp threshing instrument. I believe that there are some people that God has given you a sword. God has given you a threshing instrument. God has given you promises. Oh, God has set some things in in motion. God does not have an expiration date. God is time. Therefore, he can't expire. He cannot get old. He cannot get forgetful. God does not get weary. He does not get sick. Behold, I will make you a new and sharp threshing instrument which has teeth. And you're going to thresh the mountain. The thing that looks impossible to you. Children of Israel for 40 years walked around mountain, reminding them every day. And for some of them, they got so accustomed to looking at the mountain that they were afraid to look at the wall. But God, it's time. And so when God says it's time, it's time. 
God begins to tell the children of Israel. He begins to speak to the children of Israel. He begins to speak through the prophet Isaiah. And he begins to tell him, you tell them, behold, I'm fixing to make them new. I'm fixing to make them sharp. I'm fixing to put something on them. They're going to be a thresher. I'm fixing to put something on them that's going to be sharp like a sword. I'm fixing to put a sword back in their hand. I said, I'm fixing to put a sword back in their hand. And they're going to look at the mountain and say, who are you? I think somebody else talked about, who are you, great mountain? Who, 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 who are you, obstacle? Who are you, uh, thing that would try to tear my family apart? Who, who are you, uh, uh, liar? Who, who are you, you deceiver? You've been deceiving me. They're, they're, the children of Israel, as they were marching around uh, uh, the mountain, they had to at some point believe this mountain has deceived us. This is our destiny. And God said, oh, no, when my timing is right and when I begin to speak, can I tell somebody in this house... There's something new <laughs> that God is forming out of something that is old. There are promises that God gave you and he carved them out with a sword. He wrote those things. In the souls and the heart of the believer. But over time, the sword, because of moisture that's in the room, staleness that's in the room, the sword has gotten rusty and dull. God says, that's all right. Because in an instant, with my creative power, I can speak to anything at any time. That's why as a believer of God, side note, that's why as a believer of God, and I'll say it, I said it a few Wednesdays ago, and I'll say it again. That's why as a believer of God, we have authority when we speak this word. Because this word is sharper than any two-edged sword. It is the creator. When you begin to speak the word, that's the wall I'm talking about. When you begin to speak the word, something that is old has to become something that is new. Because the word of God, while this word was scripted a long time ago, this word is not outdated. It has not expired. In some places, it has a continuation that has yet to end. It is new and it is fresh. Behold, I'm going to do a new thing. I'm going to give them something new. I'm going to give them something sharp. I'm going to give them a threshing instrument with teeth. And ye shall thresh the mountain and beat them small. What are you trying to say? I'm trying to say that you could leave this house different than you came. The bishop has already proclaimed it and prophesied it in this house. You could leave this place different than you came because the answer is in the house. I got the choice, Sister Christina, to leave here and look at the mountain 
or to say, I'm not leaving here. You lock me up in this building tonight and you check on me tomorrow when you get here for prayer meeting if you got to. You lock me up in the presence of God. I am not leaving until he sharpens my thresher. I'm not leaving until he gives me something new to hold on to. I'm not leaving until the sword that he wrote that promise with is sharpened and in my hand. King Jehoshaphat finds himself, I'm hurrying along here. King Jehoshaphat finds himself outnumbered. Very familiar passage of scripture finds himself with multitudes of armies from three or four different directions coming against him. Looks like all hope is gone. Looks like the battle is with, cannot be won. Looks like there is nothing that can be done about what is happening. Jehoshaphat, I've said it before, and you've heard other people say it. Jehoshaphat had a choice. Jehoshaphat could have went down to the lowest cavern bunker and he could have hit out Brother Beecher. He could have said, hey, 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 you guys take care of this. I'm taking my family and we're going to go into hiding so we'll be the last ones that they find. But Jehoshaphat finds himself and goes to a place. He says, I know that where are, there's some swords. Uh, and some people begin to look at him. I have no doubt, Brother Burke. They begin to look at him funny and begin to count the people, the host of Judah. And they begin to say, oh, I don't know about this. I don't know about this. They're, 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 do you know how many are coming against us? And he said, I'm going to a place where there is some swords. And he went, where did he go? He didn't go into the, an old war. He didn't go into a place where they strategized for war. He didn't go into sit down at the round table and say, how, with the commanders and with the chiefs and say, how are we going to do this? But he went to a place where there, I'm paraphrasing now, but he went to a place where there were some swords. Scripture says that he went to the house of the Lord. And he went into a prayer meeting to beat all prayer meetings. And about the time Jehoshaphat probably could have been feeling sorry for himself, he began to just remind the Lord. How you remember those swords? That you gave to my ancestors. Do you remember the battles that they won? Do you remember the battles? The, do you remember when they were surrounded and camped by all these different uh, people? And you, oh God, you delivered your people. That's my people. And, and, you, and you are well able to do. You, you, you're able. There's nothing that is out of your uh, ability to do. And as Jehoshaphat and the host and the inhabitants of Jerusalem and as the people of Judah begin to be in one place at one time and they begin to believe, I feel like tonight that I am in a house of believers. Okay, I'm going to give you 15 seconds to encourage your neighbor that you are in a house full of believers. You do whatever you got to do to encourage them. Is anybody not convinced yet? Somebody be honest with me. Five more seconds, encourage somebody behind you. I know. 
that almost feels like and seems like if the children's ministry is in here, they feel like that's something that a Sunday school teacher would turn around or in children's church or in commotion or uh, apostolic kids bang, bang as they're going, boom, chanka, boom, boom, and all that back there <laughs> would have to say, all right, now, a bubble. <laughs> now tell somebody if you're victorious or not. And then the children would have to tell them, I'm victorious. But see, here's the deal is, is the preacher can preach. The bishop can proclaim that you're victorious. Pastor Williams can say, we're a victorious people. The evangelist can stand and proclaim with a prophetic voice, we are a victorious people. The brothers and sisters in here and different ministry that's in this room can stand and say, we are victorious people. But until you and me can look at our neighbors and say, we are victorious people. I'm going to try to just say that again. Until we take the action and say, I'm victorious. You're victorious. Bishop, you're victorious. Sister Natalie, you're victorious. And we begin to go down the row and say, hey, I'm going to convince you that you are victorious. Jerusalem, the children of Jerusalem and Judea all began together. And they begin to look around and they begin to hear what the voice of the Lord was saying through the man of God. And the man of God began to remind and proclaim in prayer. Our number may not be as large as the, as the enemy looks around us. But I remember another time when the prophet of God said, I understand, Lord, that the enemy looks good, but would you change his vision? Would you show him something out of the natural and transform him into the supernatural. You may have walked through 22 thinking, ah, oh, and then stepped into 23 and thought, oh, no. But I've come to tell someone tonight that they that are for you are more than those that are against you. Now, I'm going to say this. I haven't heard them vocally with their voice whisper this in my ear. But as I have been in this service tonight, I have felt a witness in the Holy Ghost from every age demographic. I've heard from every uh, group that is represented in this house. And I have heard a witness in this house. I said, I have heard like a clarion call from heaven that there is a witness in this house. There is a voice of the victorious. He said, hearken, all ye do. I'm going to tell you right now. That it doesn't take very long when you begin to get in it and say, I'm, I'm gonna, we're going to beat this. I'm not leaving until we get through this. I'm not taking no for an answer. 
I'm not taking a back seat to this. I'm going to attack this aggressively. When the people of God get in that place, and I feel tonight in the Holy Ghost, they can correct me, they can do whatever, speak whatever they feel they need to speak over me and over this. But I feel secure tonight in saying what I'm about to say. The battle is raging. But the victorious, the victorious dust off their shoulders. The victorious go into prayer. The victorious bring in to remembrance. Now listen, the lie of the enemy is this. The lie of the enemy is to tell you what God has did for your great-grandmother. The lie of the enemy is to tell you what God promised to your mother or your father or to your brother or to your sister. The lie of the enemy is to tell you that that was a promise for them, that that was something that God did for them but isn't going to do for you. That is a lie from the pits of hell. There are callings that are in this house tonight that God has called individuals to do and be active in. It is a lie of the enemy to tell you that that was for 2022 or 2021 or 2020 and then the pandemic got in your way. That is a lie from the pits of hell. There are people in this room that God called 50 years ago and you are still ticking in this house because God has called you for such a time as this. I feel in the Holy Ghost. I don't know what has, there has been just uh, something has the atmosphere that seemed like you ever just felt like it, it's really not, but there's a, you feel like you've been sometimes in an atmosphere where everything is blowing around. You feel like that you're in this place. Uh, uh, you feel like, oh my goodness, can we just get back to Kansas? It feels like everything is blowing around and feels uncertain. And then God, just like that. puts his foot on the brakes and says, they're in one place. They're in one accord. Now I'm going to speak. They've went back and they've dusted off their swords. They've, they've consecrated them. They've went back and they've, they've consecrated themselves. They've decided that they're not going to live in the battle that they've been living in. They're not going to, they, they may be battling, but they're not going to continue to endure the, the things that the enemy is speaking to them and the things that the enemy is lying to them and the little bit of the snid bit of food that the, that the enemy has convinced you that he's sliding under your door so that you could just have enough to sustain for one more day until he decides to come back and give you another drop of water or another piece of bread. That is a lie from the enemy. And as they gathered, Jehoshaphat gathered, the prophet of God began to speak, and he said, Hearken, all ye Judea, ye inhabitants of Jerusalem, and ye King Jehoshaphat. The Lord says this to you, be not afraid. Be not dismayed. At this great multitude, For the battle is not yours, but God's. I said at the beginning of this, and I 
waited till now to say the only thing that I wrote down that was not scripture tonight. I felt in my spirit and I wrote it down. The Lord said, the battle is not yours, it's the Lord's. And when the enemy comes against you, if you're a child of God, would you raise your hand? Just so I can clarify what I'm going to Okay, I like what I see. When the enemy comes against you, he is really coming against God. That means that when he tells me a lie, he tries to convince me that he's telling it to me, but he's really telling it to God. I'm going to teeter-totter out here on this, but when he comes against you physically and he tells you, I'm going to kill you, I'm going to destroy you, it's not an attack against you because you're a child of God. It's an attack against God. The psalmist said, the earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. For he hath founded it upon the seas and established it upon the floods. Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Or who shall stand in his holy place? He that hath clean hands, a pure heart. Who hath not lifted up his soul unto vanity, nor sworn deceitfully. He shall receive the blessings from the Lord and the righteousness from God of his salvation. This is the generation of them that seek him that seek his, thy face, O Jacob. Lift up your head, O ye gates, and be ye lifted up, ye everlasting doors. And the King of glory shall come in. Now the prayer, I did not know what they were singing. I walked through here momentarily. I didn't know what anybody was going to say. I just wanted to know that I was going to speak and say what God would have me to say tonight. We come into the house of the Lord week after week, and even in our prayer lives, we come into the house of the Lord, and we do this. Who is this king of glory? It's the king of glory. It's, 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 it's him, God of all majesty, of all greatness and all power. We exalt you, and we magnify you, and that gets us into a place where we can get into and we can walk into. When we begin to speak those kinds of words, those are not words that are talked about outside of the gates. Those are not words that can even be described or said. But whenever we begin to get into the place, into the inner place, when we begin to dwell in the secret place, when we begin to get into that place that God is speaking and that God is moving, we can say this. We can leave this place and say tonight that surely we have been in the presence of God and surely God has moved. Surely God has ministered and we have felt the awesome power and the strength of God Almighty. We have felt his, 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 his powerful hug, if you will. We have felt a sweet, sovereign presence and move. We've felt God in this place, but God wants someone to know who is this King of glory. The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O ye gates. Even lift them up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? It's the Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. I'm going to say it one more time. Who is this King of glory? The Lord strong. The Lord mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. Who is this King who do we sing about? 
Who do we kneel and praise and exalt? He's not some faraway God who sits in some place that cannot be touched, that cannot be moved tonight. But when we proclaim with clean hands and with a clean heart, What are you doing whenever you ask God to give you clean hands and a clean heart? You're saying, sharpen the sword. Clean me, God. Clean anything around me that needs to be cleaned, oh God. I know that battle is fixing to take place. I know that a victory is in sight. I know that what you have spoken will come to pass. That's what happens when you begin to ask God for clean hands and a clean heart. Who is this king of glory? He's not. You hear me right now. He is not. And if he was, he would be okay. He is not just he who, who shed his blood on Calvary so that so that I could I could I could be touched by any uh illness that touches me he didn't just shed blood for that I'm thankful that he did but he didn't just shed blood for that I will tell you this living as a child of God he did not just shed his blood so that I could have remission of my sins but I believe who is this king of glory he is all of those things but he is also a God who is strong and mighty in battle And he is a God. He is returning for a victorious church. He's strong and mighty. He's the Lord mighty in battle. The psalmist David would say, praise ye the Lord. Sing unto the Lord a new song. And his praise in the congregation of saints. Let Israel rejoice in him that made him. Let the children of Zion be joyful in their king. Let them praise him. In the dance. There's been some people tonight that have praised him in the dance. Praise the Lord. Let them sing praises unto him with the timbrel and with the harp. There's been some people that have magnified him on the instruments tonight. Praise the Lord. For the Lord takes pleasure in his people. What's the psalmist saying? The Lord takes pleasure in people that come to worship and to magnify God. I believe that when we come into the house and we magnify God, Brother Burke, and we praise God, it lifts us, one, it lifts us out of the thing that we are in. And it positions us. It is a place. It's a gate pass to get us into the place where God is moving. It's what unites our faith. It's through our praise and through our worship. It's in that time of prayer and then praise and then worship that we get into the place, that into that realm where we may have all kinds of impossibilities that are popping up even on our phone while we sit in this place. Messages maybe are popping up and emails and deadlines that maybe are popping up for your work this week that seem impossible. And maybe there's diagnoses that even before you got here tonight, you were Googling and looking up and trying to figure out what's going on and how is this going to be fixed and how's that going to work. Somebody in this house possibly was on their online banking thing and I don't know about you, but it's only halfway through this month and I don't know how things are lining up and how things are going to work. But it's when you enter into the house of worship and into the house of praise and you enter into the house of prayer. This is a house of prayer. And when you enter into this place and you begin to pray and you begin to magnify God, I believe in this house that there's a united people that have gathered in this house and there's a one mind and there's a one accord thing going going on here. And the Lord says, I love all of that, and I take pleasure in my people when they do all of that. He's, he will be beauti 
beautified. He will beautify the meek with salvation. Let the saints be joyful in glory. Let them sing aloud uh, upon their beds. That means if you're sick, even in your bed, make a joyful noise unto the Lord because this is the day that the Lord has made. There are people that have come into the house that didn't feel like coming into the house, but they said, you know what? I feel good enough to get up, to get my clothes on, to get my keys, to get in my car, and to pull in to this beautiful building that God has given us to come in with my brothers and sisters because I am going to be lifted up because I'm going to lift him up. And so because I lift him up, I'm he's going to lift me up for just even if it feels like momentarily he's going to lift me up out of the thing that I'm in and God is going to give me some relief. Am I talking to anybody tonight in the house? Let the saints be joyful in glory. Let them sing aloud unto their beds. Let the high praises of God be in their mouth. And God says when they start praising, ah, when they start praising, when they start praising, when they start saying, uh-oh, it feels too good in the house to just sit here. It feels too good in the house just to be a spectator. It feels too good in the house of the Lord. It feels too good. I may have pain in my body, but it feels too good to be. I may not know how I'm going to make my more, but it feels too good in the house of the Lord. The Lord says, uh-oh, uh-oh, they have just lifted themselves. Listen, it wasn't him that lifted. They have just lifted themselves to the place that I have been waiting for them to get. They have just exalted, I mean lifted themselves up is what I'm trying to say. Not praising themselves, but they have just lifted themselves up. When they got here and they could hear all the lies of that nasty old serpent that's been lying to them. But as they begin to pray and as they begin to praise and as they begin to worship, their worship begin to, for in just a minute, they begin to, uh-oh, their back begin to straighten up. Their shoulders begin to be scared back. Next thing you know, they have just stepped up to another level. They have just elevated themselves in praise and worship. And the miraculous is about to take place. And God said, let the saints be joyful in glory. Let them sing aloud on their beds. Let the high praises of God be in their mouth. And a two-edged sword in their hands. God says if you'll get to business in your praise... If you'll get to business in your worship, well, I don't know, but I'm just feeling good tonight for some reason. If you'll just get busy in your praise, Brother Terry, if you'll just get busy and serious in your worship. Now, if you know me, this is not in my character right here, but if you will just get serious tonight in your praise, God is about to give you the thing that is going to give you the victory tonight. I thought that's the response I would get, but I challenge five people to get up out of your seat and take one lap around this place, and you watch what God's going to do.
I don't know what you see, but in the spirit, I see one generation exalting another generation. I see a God from glory to glory. I might be in the fight of my life, but I'm not going to die in the fight. I might be in the pit. I might be in Potiphar's house. I might be in the jail that's dark, but I'm not going to die there. And a two-edged sword in their hand to execute vengeance upon the heathen and punishments upon the people. To bind the kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron. Do not be afraid. Don't be fearful, God said. I am giving you. See, what happens is this. The battle, it's not ours. The battle belongs to the God that is inside of the vessel. The battle's not against this vessel. Not against, not against the flesh, not against the blood, but it's against the God that's inside the vessel. And God said, don't be afraid, don't be dismayed, don't be weary, don't be depressed, don't be down. What I am doing, I am sharpening you right now. And you're going to look at the mountain. You hear me right now. I'm going to say this right now. Because we can shout, we shout, we shout, we shout. We're going to get the sword in our hands. God is going to do it. And, and, and it's going to be good. And then we leave and we're like, oh, my goodness. Did I do something wrong if the musicians would come? Then my mind is reminded and I'm done. I'll hasten to a close. I'll hurry as Maybe not hasten. Hurry. Whatever. To a close. I'm about to pass out probably, but that's all right. 1-800-JENNY-CRAY, here we go. I could right now. You know that old song we used to sing, I could run through a troop and leap over a wall for the dust in them old songs is getting me. Hallelujah. You remember that? I got any witnesses in here tonight? I could run through a troop and leap over a wall. How's it go? Tell me. Hallelujah. I can run through a troop and leap over a wall. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I can run through a troop. I can leap over a wall. And we feel real good in the house of the Lord. And it feels real good. And then all of a sudden, God gives us this boldness and we begin to prophesy to things. We begin to speak to things that are not as though they are. And we begin to see all these things happen. We begin to see all this stuff happen. I got a praise on my mouth and in my heart and on my lips. And I got a sword in my hand. And I'm going to just walk around and I'm going to tear up anything that hell has to give me or hell has to offer. I can just tear it up right here. But then I feel something happens to me. 
I leave the house. I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. This thing feels heavier than it felt before. I have found out, Bishop, that it is sometimes in those supernatural moments that God gives us the sword. Not just to wave the sword in victory. David said, I'm gonna, his dad said, take, take your brother some cheese. Some jokers are so scared of the Philistines and that giant, they're gonna starve to death. Would you take them some stuff? Probably some of that goat's milk and all that junk. Take that to them and nourish them. You know, just, just take, take it to them and help them. We want, we want all King Saul to know that we are supportive of what he's doing here. His endeavors to hide. They said, what, what's going on? The same psalmist that would write the psalms that I have read. I don't know exactly when he read them and what, or uh, wrote them and what time frame, Pastor Beecher, but nonetheless, the same psalmist wrote, wrote those, and this is him. And he says, what are we afraid of here? Well, that guy's a giant. Yeah, so that guy is a giant. That, that guy has got, he has, he, he's powerful. And they say that he's got, there's some other giants. You know, that is the enemy starts lying to you, telling me that, telling me there's all giants, all kinds of giants. Well, we know, we read a few, few verses later, and we know that if there are some giants, they're scared giants. You know, Tiny Tim. Isn't he a giant? He is tonight. And he says, Bishop, what are you, what are you afraid of? And his brother said, you need to keep your mouth shut. You just go back and praise your little Jesus out there with the sheep, and you do that kind of stuff because we are already mad at you because we know what God has already proclaimed and spoken over your life. Now, I've not come to get into discussion with you. There's some brothers that would like to rain on that parade and say that it was not written in complete chronicle or uh, however them fancy words it wasn't written in the timeline is, is could be a little off, but... Before David was called, he knew he was called. I said before the prophet of God laid his hands on him and anointed him with oil, he knew. There's something on my life that is different because bears kill men. And lions don't say, oh, wait a minute, that's an old boy, I'm going to leave him alone. They'll eat you just like they'll eat your little sheep. So he knew there was a calling on his life. He knew God had destined him for something more than what he was currently in. And so he said, brothers, what is going on? What's wrong? I'm paraphrasing. He said, man, there's a giant, and if he sees you, he's going to come after you. He's going to, you ain't seen even the size of his hand, let alone the size of his sword. David said, I'm a praiser. I'm an aisle-running fanatic. I like to worship. I like to praise God. I like to do it like that. That's where my strength comes from. So he goes to Saul and says, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. Can I take him on? Saul said, well, you know what? Let's just let him do that. Saul said, my goodness, boy, you're so scrawny and you look so instant. You don't even look like you're important. I've forgotten all about you coming and singing to me at night. <laughs> I forgot all about your praise and worship. 
that elevated the spirits that wouldn't let me sleep because of what I had done. I forgot all about that. See, that's what the enemy will tell you. David said, hey, here you go. And he said, Saul says, hey, here you go. I'm going to give you my stuff because I'm hiding anyways. So I'm gonna, I don't need it. I'm going to give you my stuff. And he tries to put his stuff on and he says, wait a minute. This is not for me. I don't know if this can work or not, Bishop. I don't know if this, this is not, this is, this is not my, that's why we got to be careful what we entangle ourselves with. You better never, listen, we better not, no, I said about you, but I'm going to say me. I better never walk away and you better never walk away from the things that have been tried and that have been true. And I'm going to say this, this church has been built on a foundation not to fail, but to win the battle. So he says, okay, you can have my stuff. He said, no, I can't do it, but I'll tell you what, if you let me run down by the brook real quick, I'm going to get some rocks. Now, I should just throw this twist in there and say what they really meant, the five stones, but I won't. Because I don't know. I believe it was praise and worship does it. Maybe that'd do it. I don't know. I don't know what it does. It doesn't matter. He says, okay. And Goliath says, who are you? What are you, you little thing? I'm fixing to destroy you. I'm fixing to do that. And he said, uh-uh. You come against me with the sword and with, with the spear, and you come against me with all of the things that look like that they would defeat me. Because that's what the enemy has been telling people, individuals in this place, and has even been telling the church as a whole, I'm going to destroy you with all this stuff that I have built up an arsenal to destroy you. And David said this, you come against me. I'm paraphrasing. With a sword, with a spear, you got a shield. If I would get a rock close to you, you got a shield to guard it off. But I come to you. He said, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run in and are saved. I come to you in the name of the Lord. And he says, praise and worship does it. Praise and worship does it. Praise and worship does it because it elevates me to a place that I am eye to eye with the, with the enemy. And he lets go of the rock and the rock hits the giant in the head. Beautiful story. God bless you. You're dismissed in Jesus' name. And that's where the enemy likes for us to stop the story. This is not an old story to anyone that's in this room, but we come in with praise and with worship, and we're ready, Brother Beecher, to just shred anything that the enemy would lie and would say, and then Monday morning hits us back dab clear in the face, and we say, wait a minute, where's the God of that night? That I, I thought I had taken care of this. I thought I had knocked this thing down. I thought I had walked over this. I thought I'd put my foot on this guy's chest and said, it is over, it is finished. But now it's rising back up in my face. David said, ha, ha, ha. The high praises of God are in their mouth. And in their hand is a sharp two-edged sword. And he said, I'm going to take that sword. David couldn't wait. They were all saying, oh, look at that. Look at that great big Philistine. Look what you have done. And David said, I am not done yet. David takes a sword in his hand. And he walks over. He doesn't poke the enemy. He doesn't poke Goliath. 
He doesn't make any type of a show. He doesn't cut his body up into pieces so that he can flaunt it. He goes right for it, baby. He goes for that head, and he cuts the head of that giant off. And the Scripture says that all of those other giants and all of those other Philistines and all of his brothers and whoever else was in the house that was so powerful and that was so strong took off and could not run fast enough. God has positioned us. Hold on just a second. God has positioned us to no longer. I want to say this right. God has positioned us to engage no longer as we have in the past. But the Spirit of God means business. And it's time to take the sword in our hand and not stop fighting. You hear me right now? And not stop fighting. If I got to engage all through the night, if I got to go to work tomorrow still engaging, I am not going to stop fighting until the head. And I'm just going to go ahead and say it like this. Take it for whatever you want, but I'm just going to say it like this. I have tried tonight to be obedient to the Holy Ghost. I have tried tonight to not speak or say anything that I would want to say, but I have tried to only say what he would have me to say. But I've come to tell someone tonight in the Holy Ghost, and this may just say, this may not give you much hope, but it gives me a whole bunch of hope, Pastor Beecher. The Lord said, if you will pick up my sword... You can start the process tonight of completely demolishing and cutting the head off of the thing that has tried. But it is going to have to, it is going to take a body. I said it is going to take have to take and it is going not have to take it is going to have it is going to take the body the body the whole body it is going to take the body it's going to take the strength of the body to pick up the sword because it's been a big battle it's been a big adversary it's been a big prince but the sword's bigger and the sword has more power the sword, I said the sword has more power. I said the sword has more power, but it's going to take, you hear me, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit. It is going to take the spirit of God flowing through the whole body. And when it flows through the whole body, the body is going to pick up the sword. It is going to demolish. And then it's going to look back and say, who are you, great mountain? Those are waters that are flowing out of the desert right now. Those are fields of plenteous right now that used to be a desert place. Would you lift your hands in this sanctuary? And would you begin to proclaim? And would you begin to align right now with the body in this house?